0: Excludes in-store clearance. Hi, everyone. As you've noticed, my name is not Brian
1: Sepurik. I am Orden Jensen. Brian is not with us today. He is in Australia, which uh, we're not jealous of at all, right, Sarah?
2: Not in the slightest.
1: Not in the slightest. So today we are going to talk about the playoffs. But before we do, we just want to remind you that we are on iTunes, and we're being hosted on FanRag Sports, which you can find on. Twitter at the handle FanRack Sports and their NBA section, FanRag NBA. Uh that how was my Brian imitation right there, Sarah?
2: <laughs> Not bad. I like that you yeah. uh you went with the iTunes instead of iTunes this year. I know how much that bugs you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know why he does it. It's so weird. You know, iTunes—we're always on iTunes, Brian. It's
2: a routine. Oh, he's just—he's got it so down now that he just turns it out. <laughs> and I'm interested to see how rudderless we are without him. Oh <laughs> so yeah, he yeah we're keeps
1: us on gonna, track. Yeah, we're definitely going to sink the ship mm. on this one. I was kind of thinking this would be the perfect opportunity
0: At Pathways Financial Credit Union, we know things come up that might require extra family funds. You could use the equity in your home to help pay for almost anything from home improvements to a family vacation. Our home equity line of credit has rates and payments much lower than a traditional loan or credit card. Find out why Pathways is the fastest-growing credit union in Ohio over the last 10 years. Visit one of our convenient locations or check us out at pathwayscu.com. Offer of credit is subject to credit approval. Pathways is an equal opportunity lender and is federally insured by the NCUA.
1: Just to talk about the Sixers for a whole hour.
2: <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But then we'd be talking about the Sixers for an hour. so
1: that, That's also true. <laughs> so let's start up on the completed series. We're recording this on a Sunday right now. Uh, the Celtics and the Wizards are playing and later on it's the game seven of the Clippers and, and the Jazz. So Uh, This will probably reach you after the completion of those games. But we definitely know, because one of those teams are playing right now, that the Boston-Chicago series is over, and mercifully so, for the Bulls at least. Sarah, what the (laughs) hell happened there? The Bulls won the first two, and then they lost four straight.
2: Well, something that I don't think anyone could have predicted is that Rondo became a major storyline. Like. He went down and everyone's like, Oh God, can they can they finish this off without Rondo? I'm like, what? Was like, that was <laughs> that was so incredible. Um and yet there was some merit to it. I mean he was playing pretty well, controlling the game. Um Yeah. But I just I kind of feel for Bulls fans, I, I saw only bits and Pete. this week has been crazy, I know, for you and I both. Um, so we didn't get to watch as much NBA playoffs as we would have preferred, but um, I did see some of the final game of that series and I remember the announcers remarking that a lot of the seats at least early in the game uh, were empty I'm assuming they filled up a little more but that it was strange for Chicago and then Bulls fans also booing towards the end Yeah. so kind of kind of sums up the season and I just hope for you all that they kind of find a direction here in the very near future.
1: And by you all, you're obviously addressing right. the the Bulls fans listening to <laughs> Not this. Not you,
2: right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
1: No, but no, I agree. Like in the final game, there were even chants of fire Hoiberg. Wow. I mean, I it, missed that. It, yeah, it's it got heated there. Um, and, and you know, I think it's fair that Bulls fans are really upping arms about this. Mm-hmm. This, the fact that they win the first two and then drop the final four is is almost perfect because that's who they are this year. Yeah, wildly inconsistent. And you know, I I think everyone, including myself, and I think Brian as well, bought into the whole oh Bulls two zero now. You know, they they're gonna have to win this thing. They how could they lose? Mm-hmm. Well. They, they could <laughs> they sure as hell could force step and jimmy butler playing on uh what seemed to be a a bad hip and a knee that's sort of was a, went a little bit bad that's an unfortunate end of the season for him he was brilliant mm-hmm. otherwise so let's hope that that doesn't really carry over to the summer and you know it has no lingering pain yeah but i want to ask you sarah based on this year's bulls now this is out of their hands dwayne wade has a option that he can pick up for i think it's 23.8 million dollars for next season assuming the bulls were the ones who had that option should they decline it and move on i would think
2: so yeah i i would want to move on um like like we've talked about a million times they had a little bit of something with kind of letting jimmy run the show um and so they didn't need to do this. I, I don't know. You, you talk a lot about how they like to to just make their money and fill their seats. Uh, but they didn't need to bring in a name guy uh, outside of the organization. They have a great player in Jimmy who could could take them some places. You know, Would he take them to the level that James Arden has, has taken the Rockets? I don't know. But I feel like it's worth a look to see what he could do. So I don't think they need to commit that much money to Dwayne, no. But like you said, it's not in their hands.
1: Yeah, and he's probably going to opt in, right? Because this was an atrocious. So. Yeah, this was an atrocious series for him. Yeah. Like he he really no longer cares at all about defense. He just walks around aimlessly, and I, I don't imagine any team out there will be willing to pay him anything remotely that number anymore. So right. I, I would assume he's back next year. What what was kind of uh, surprising to me was he was asked about a potential six man role. And he was sort of okay with it. Hmm. Like he said, you know, I haven't been asked that before, but uh, uh, I'm not going to say that I won't do it. You know, I, I, I get that it's sort of a I'm I'm gonna you know he kicking the can down the road right, a little right. bit, but still, it, I I did I didn't expect him to be at least a little bit political about it. I thought he'd yeah. say no, I, no. That's I'm, I'm that's D just smart,
2: though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows what his true feelings are? Yeah. but uh, but yeah, to not not put that out there yet is just. A clever thing to do for
0: sure.
1: Yeah. Oh man. Well, then again, when you look at Boston, and I shouldn't have said then again, but when you know they had a rough start, they win four straight, and one of the things that I feel was the the difference in that series was Brad Stevens starting Gerald Green and just taking Amir Johnson out of the rotation. That was bold. That was mm-hmm. really bold. Like I, I thought for sure he would make lineup adjustment but Gerald Green was probably the furthest guy from my mind and he came in and just switched everything up and it, they made it a pace and space game shot the three ball a hell of a lot i think they even let the first round in the nba in 3 point field goal attempts they just shot the balls you know out of the building night after night after night and do you remember after the first two games that Brad Stevens was kind of rumored to being on the hot seat? <laughs> can we just agree that that should be debunked right now?
2: Yeah. Do you remember people were talking about his uh, postseason record? Yeah, I do remember that. Um, I do remember us also talking about, you know, what can they do? This rebounding thing is horrible. and We're, mm. we're talking about who else they could bring in to maybe get a little bigger, like play a Linux or... Something, yeah, and he went completely the opposite direction, which is why he is coaching the Celtics and we are sitting here. But yeah, um, yeah, I agree, that was a, a great move yeah. for them, <laughs> it obviously paid dividends.
1: 76 mate threes in the that's series crazy. for Boston compared to 42 for the Bulls, so you know, that's a huge advantage. And of course, they I, I think he played the right hand, it was. Surprising, I think even Celtics fans were like, "Gerald Green, really? Mm-hmm. That's that's the guy you're gonna go with." But you hit it right on the head there. I mean, that's why he is where he is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would, I I I, th- I think overall it was an amazing series. Like being able to come back from two sip while also having the very unfortunate burden, mm-hmm. you know, of, of Isaiah Thomas' sister's uh, death. You know, weighing over everyone really, uh, the entire organization to some extent, and being able to come back the way they did, you know, lineup changes, grief, everything coming into play, and then just rolling them over in four games afterwards, that was really impressive to me. And yeah, and you, we could even see like tonight as well, uh, we're we are at halftime at Wiz Celtics in game two here. They started out being down by 16. It was 16 to SIP in favor of Washington. And the la- last score I checked before halftime, it was 54-53 WIS, meaning they came back. So I'm not really counting out this Boston team at any point. They're scrappy as hell.
2: Yeah, they are. That said, I think, I think the Wizards are going to take them. But um, I have to agree with you. I mean, they're, it's hard to count them out. Like you said, what they just came through, especially, uh, showed a lot of mental fortitude. So, And obviously we know they have great coaching. They have IT who is impossible to stop, so they're always going to be in it.
1: Yeah, I have, You, know, Jimmy Butler tried to guard him a couple of times as well. I thought that was the matchup that would be very interesting and probably fall in, in the Bulls' favor because Jimmy is quick as well as big, but... That ability from Isaiah to just being able to pull up whenever he wants is just, oh, it's so dominant, really. It's one of those aspects we, we don't talk about a whole lot, because when we talk about dominance, it's often physical dominance. Mm-hmm. But having that one move that is just so cat-quick that you can't stop, regardless of the guy who's on you, that's a dominant effect as well. And he's he's so adept at just running down the court like full speed and then stopping on a dime and pulling up or mid range, and that little hesitation dribble that Fred Horberg said was a constant carry. I mean, <laughs> look, I don't care if it's a carry or not. I don't think I, I don't think it is to the same extent that Fred does apparently. But it just freezes the entire defense over and over and over again. Like he could go to that move whenever he wanted, and he got it. It was it's. He is a, he is an amazing little guy.
2: Definitely. <laughs> I have to go watch. I know Coach Nick of of B-Ball Breakdown put down a whole video on this. Is it a carry? Is it not a carry? (laughs) I still haven't watched it, but uh, I'll have to check that out. But, yeah, it gives me nightmares. It's reminiscent of Mike Conley. He had a similar hesitation move that he literally used over and over and over against the Spurs bigs, and it it was really difficult to watch.
1: Oh, we'll that was a beautiful move,
2: to... like no no doubt about <laughs> it. But please stop. Like this is horrible.
1: We'll um, definitely get to your Spurs yeah. later on because that was my favorite series. Yeah. Jesus, that was entertaining. <laughs> but first of all, Washington, Atlanta. Obviously, Washington wins. They're in the second round right now against Boston. John Wall, who was amazing in this one. Almost thirty points a game, four rebounds, ten assists, two steals. I mean, t- he was, he's so athletic and dominant when his game is on. When the jumper starts rolling, you know, there's no stopping him.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it, it might, some of those numbers might be a direct result of having Dennis Schroeder on him, who is not a strong <laughs> defender by any means. But, they, you know, Mike Budenholzer had, had really no answer to Wall and to some extent Bradley Beal, who poured in like 26 a game as well. That entire backcourt of Washington got whatever they wanted.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that to me, that's the biggest thing that stands out of that whole series is, is that the Wizards had the best player, if not the two best players in that series. And that that matters, <laughs> unless, you know, your, your other team is just really all on the same page and rolling as a team, uh, like the 2014 Spurs or something, uh, or Atlanta has been on that page before in their whole Spurs East uh, philosophy of playing, but... Uh, They weren't quite there this year, and and John Wall has been my favorite player to watch uh, so far these playoffs. I mean, he's been a lot of fun. Uh, Of course, (laughs) I didn't get to watch as much Raptors-Bucks as I wish I had, so Giannis would probably be up there (laughs) too, but but, uh, but John Wall has been a blast.
1: I think he's always been sort of underrated, John Mm -hmm. Wall like he came into the league with such high expectations and then he, it took him a while to really find his footing and and become this like top tier star and now in the meantime people have sort of forgotten about him and everyone else is looking at you know they're looking at everyone else like Yadis mm-hmm. and you know jimmy butler Kawhi, you know james harden russell westbrook getting a triple double and, and john wall seems to have like slipped down the cracks a little bit and to his credit he like john himself has said this many times i play in washington no one like pays attention to me where's <laughs> where's my billboard <laughs> yeah, you know That's so probably, I'm, I'm
2: probably too right? Yeah.
1: so i'm kind of hoping this this playoff series for him or this his entire playoff run for the wizards will bring him on the map a little bit more i think he deserves it he's fun yeah. And he's he's he plays both ends of the court, and he's an improving shooter. I, I'm having a hard time seeing the weaknesses of John
0: Wall.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully now. I I don't think it's happened yet because they were stuck playing the Hawks, and they got stuck on NBA TV. How many times? Yeah. Um, people are still talking, but yeah. Hopefully now, if they can run through this this second round, uh, yeah, he'll start to get that that talk. But we've talked about that before. That's a common theme with stellar point guards in the league it's so hard there's so many great point guards that i think it's if you're not that guy of the moment it's really easy to be overlooked
1: Hmm. i think he doesn't have a shoe deal either Mm -hmm. i and some people have like pointed that and said well he would have gotten the extra uh you know attention if he'd signed with nike or whatever and gotten these things i I don't i think he's i think actually think wallace right being like in Washington. It is, you know, it's a political town. That's more like the the central theme of it. basketball is not a high priority there. And if you can't grab the local market, then it's really difficult to grab it, like, on a national scale.
2: Yeah, that's very true. So,
1: we'll see. Moving on to the Hawks for a moment. Dwight is pissed, it seems. (laughs) Dwight (laughs) is pissed. Dwight is pissed. Well and that's my question does he have a right to be he is complaining that he do- did not have a big enough role in the initial series here against washington looking at the numbers he took six shots a game played 26 minutes didn't play a whole lot in the fourth quarters so does dwight have a point in all this or are you on the side of former spur mike Budenholzer? <laughs> don't let that affect you sarah
2: um yeah you know i was gonna be with bud of course but, um, we talked about this a little before we started recording i think, yeah, he should have had a bigger role. he also should have earned the bigger role, you know, so' it's, it's a little bit of both, I think um, he does tend to get disinterested, which yeah, it's easy to do when you're you're not as involved as you'd like to be, but you still gotta hit the glass, you still gotta defend hard um, he tends to get disinterested when wow. when he's not completely as involved as he wants to be and he, he doesn't care as much about other parts of the game you can't just you know pout and walk through the game like that though That's uh, that never going to earn minutes with any credible coach in the league
1: so the atlanta journal constitution had an interesting quote from dwight dwight said i'm sure if you wrote the best stories in the world and nobody read your stories and they told you to stop writing and you saw somebody else's story that wasn't as good as yours i'm pretty sure you'd be pissed too That's how it is in basketball. Hmm. So it's, yeah, a a long way of saying that he thinks he's better than some of the alternatives out there. Which I I agree that that he is. But when you have the shortcomings of not being able to hit from the free throw line as well, it just, it brings the X's and O's that much more into the game. And I also am starting to question something. Is Dwight really that good of a player anymore that we you know at least to the level that we think he is because he doesn't seem to be that that guy who's worth the contract that he's getting you know with the 23 million a year plus
2: I'm probably not a great person to ask just because I've never been a big Dwight Howard fan or supporter Mm. um because I didn't like those sides that you could tell sometimes just weren't that interested um now he was dominant before he had all the back injuries um And I still think he's capable of being a very good pick-and-roll player and, you know, possibly providing you some rim protection at times. But, I mean, no, he's, he's not a superstar anymore, clearly. Um, but that's just, those are just the facts of the game, you know. It's the same yeah. thing that everybody's gone through with Father Time being undefeated. You know, you slow down. And he was always a guy who relied heavily upon his athleticism. You know, you could kind of stretch out your longevity when that's not the case. But that was absolutely the case for him. So it's going to be harder for him to remain really effective as he continues to lose uh, a little bit of that that athleticism that he's had for so long.
1: So given that he's has another forty-seven million coming over the next Man. two seasons, yeah. What would you do if you're Atlanta? Shop him?
2: I'd certainly try. Um, they also, if you're going to keep him on the team feels like you have to give him a little bit more of a, even if you only want to play him 20, 25 minutes, you have to go to that pick and roll a little more when it's there. But I think it's hard because they've bought into starting Schroeder, and he's, you know, he, he's, he can run the pick and roll, but he's kind of, I get the impression that he kind of does his own thing a little bit. You know, he's he's making it up on the fly. He'll, he'll pop those threes when the defense is always going to sag way off of him because he's not known as a shooter and he takes more of those than he should. Like you have to try to keep the defense honest, but you also have to develop the shot to where it's consistent enough to do that. Um so I that's like my main memory of the Hawks in that first round mm-hmm. is is watching him chuck a bunch of those and they just clang off the rim. So and he's going to have to be more of a, a floor general if they're going to make Dwight work.
1: Yeah. That's it's always been my biggest pet peeve with Dwight is Dwight wanted to be like a back to the basket center, much like Shaq. Yeah. He kind of emulated that game, and it was so clear er- early on that he should actually have looked more of uh, the way of Amari Stoudemire. Like, right. you know, set the screen, get in the mid post, and just fly towards the basket. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that would just seem to, with his body, his athleticism, that that would just be a better use of his body in, in overall. That hasn't happened, and at age 31, I don't expect that to change anytime soon. Right. So it's, it's kind of concerning there. And then you have Paul Millsap as well saying that he might up it out. Oh, boy. And Yeah, exactly, oh, boy. I, we know that Boston was kind of interested in him. He and Al Horford has a close relationship. We know they have a wide open spot at the four. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I could, I could sort of see that happening. Yeah. And then what would Atlanta be left with? Well, Dwight would get all the shots that he wanted.
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man.
1: But, I mean, that would be the start of some sort of rebuilding thing. I, I would imagine.
2: Boston fans would, would completely lose their minds. You've, you've got them all excited now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I don't I know, I don't that, know I th- what
2: to offer Atlanta. I'm sorry. I don't have any ideas. No, right? That would be horrible.
1: Then, then you definitely see a lot of shorter shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't think that's the direction that we need to go in.
1: Well, I, I think the silver lining might be the development of Tim Hardaway who really struggled this series. He really couldn't buy anything. Like, I think he struck out at like 33% shooting for the series and mm-hmm. 25% or something from three It was really bad. And he was one of those guys who actually kept everything alive for him throughout the regular season, so... Uh, I'm kind of hoping to see him next year like getting the full-time starter minutes and be that ultimate starter, 35-minute like, type guy. I think he could be that. Like He got jerked mm-hmm. around New York a little bit, which is not the best play to develop either. And it was in and out of the rotation under Bud. So next year, hopefully, that would provide a little bit of kick. But with Millsap potentially gone, Schroeder being an increasingly higher usage player than he probably should be, and then Dwight being pissed off. I'm not really digging that whole Atlanta cocktail.
2: Yeah. This this whole episode just took a depressing turn, Morton.
1: <laughs> I, I tend to do that.
2: <laughs> it's your specialty, yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, all right. Then let's talk about Giannis. You yeah, love Giannis. Yes. I love Giannis. Brian <laughs> loves Giannis. Everyone loves Giannis. Do we know like, someone who doesn't love Giannis?
2: I know of no one who doesn't love Giannis.
1: Right? Mm-hmm at 22 they lost the series but at 22 years old he just finished his playoff series shooting almost 54 percent from the field 40 from downtown struggle a bit from the line 54 percent but 25 a game almost 10 rebounds four assists two over two steals and almost two blocks a game and that game one that is the one that sticks out in my mind the most when he just would continuously attack the basket and finish with dunks where you expected it to be like finger rolls or layups like his length is so utterly ridiculous
2: yeah he does that that's like the old um sort of dr j Iceman type specialty. Uh, I even mm-hmm. saw Manu do that once, right? He went up and you thought he was gonna like finger roll, and he just turned it around and dunked it. Except, yeah, when Giannis does it, it's it's like nothing we've ever seen because <laughs> it's like this ridiculous. But yeah, he's incredible. I I don't even know what to say about the kid. I do have a question for you though about mm-hmm. uh, the final game. Okay, so. It's such a calculated risk either way, but I remember, you know, Giannis had played almost the entire game. Yeah. You kind of do need him to, but he was visibly tired uh, coming down the stretch the last seven, six minutes of the game. Do you think it was worthwhile or would have been worthwhile to try to rest him even a minute, two minutes? Or did they have to have him on the floor the entire time?
1: Oh, I think they had to. Yeah. When you, when you look at the guys who had played at that point, so they only played eight guys in that game. And, and you can even discount John Henson a little bit because he didn't even break nine minutes. Mm. So essentially three players coming off the bench. So if you had originally had more guys involved in the rotation yeah. for game six, then I would have said yes, it probably would have been a good idea to rest him just a little bit. But given that they felt that they apparently couldn't trust Rashad Vaughn or Michael Beasley or Tzoledovic or whatever, you know, then you had to go the distance. And I mean, Lord knows he's he's young enough to carry those minutes. Mm-hmm. That's a plus. But it, no, I, I do think it contributed to the loss.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and also you know, they weren't as good. Let's just be frank. E- mm-hmm. Even, even sure. with Giannis playing all 48 minutes, they probably wouldn't have gone you know to to a seventh game
2: yeah It just I felt bad for him you know he was heaving uh yeah. and just struggling to try to knock down free throws but at the same time he was getting them scoring opportunities that they probably would not have otherwise had so it's such a difficult call I didn't appreciate uh Reggie Miller's commentary he's like uh you know, suck it up, you're young. Well, obviously he is sucking it up. Like, he's trying to play through yeah. it, but, <laughs> you know, you've only got what you've got in you, you know. He's going to give it, but it's, you know, you just can't function at the same level after a while. But.
1: No, I mean, I could then I could point out to Reggie that during the 2000 finals against L.A., you know, India, Indiana, L.A., like, he had he played a lot of minutes there, and sometimes he just buckled. Mm-hmm. Couldn't hit from the outside at all. Missed bunnies. I, it, it just takes a toll when you play like 40 plus minutes. Yeah. In regardless of era, really. Mm-hmm. And Giannis played, let me see, I have an exact count here. 46 minutes and 39 seconds. And that's in a playoff atmosphere against, you know, one of the best Eastern Conference teams this year. Obviously, that's that's going to be a challenge. And... Uh, they, they doubled him several times they tried to get the ball out of his hands they played rough with him so yeah i mean if there had been a better rotation in place from jason kidd i think that would have made more sense but but you have to look at the big picture we have tony snell playing almost 31 minutes finishing with two points thon maker did not get a whole lot of minutes either i mean 13 minutes. I know he's, he's a kid and whatnot, but I would probably have extended that just That's a little
2: bit. the thing, bit. they're all kids, you know? <laughs> this yeah. is a great experience. So, yeah, I think they should have, as you said, a little bit longer rotation to begin with. I don't understand mm-hmm. playing just eight and wearing Giannis down like that, but I don't know. At the same time, I get trying to go for it the way they did. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a tough call
1: yeah and and that's really the key issue. it is a call yeah, like you have mm-hmm. you, you are this is undoubtedly been something they've been talking about on the bench like you know Jason Kidd going should, what should we do here yeah. to his guys should we should we pull him for a few minutes no no he's it's just they have to come to like an agreement that it's better to have them out there and yeah. I think that's what they did and if we wouldn't even have this debate if they had won the game
2: somehow snuck it out yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so,
1: but it's interesting like they I definitely thought that Milwaukee would end up taking the series after the, after I game did one. Too. It felt yeah. that
2: way. Uh, felt like a, a, a runaway freight train. You know, Giannis just coming down in transition. There's nothing you right. can do. But like
1: Brian and I were, you know, before the series, we we're all hey, it's Toronto going to the finals. <laughs> we we're dumbasses. And and then after game one, we we're like, okay, that's not optimal. And then after game three, we we're all gone away because that that was the game where Milwaukee just buried Toronto like 104-78 or something, ridiculously yeah. outplayed, and, and they just looked legit. And then Toronto just took over in the final three. Yeah. Uh, it's good for Toronto as well because they've had these issues getting into their you know their sets in the playoffs, DeRozan has missed a bunch, Kyle Lowry really can't seem to get going. So I, I think they needed this to get some sort of, rhythm going forward, and if they would break that playoff curse they have hanging over their heads, then I'll, I'm willing to take that, and then wait for next year for Giannis, and hopefully Giannis will meet them again next year, and he'll be
2: pissed. <laughs> you know, it was a good good bit of adversity for Toronto. Um, and hopefully, they will take this experience, and you know I'm hoping what we're going to see, and I'm interested to see, is when they start their next series, if they're going to you know, start it with a little bit more urgency. So yeah. We've talked about how they've lost however many game ones in a row. And, and who was it? There was a quote from, was it P.J. Tucker, I think, said, uh, yeah, everyone's just like, yeah, that's what we do here. We, do, we always lose game one. And he's like, well, that's not okay. <laughs> Why are you <laughs> acting like it's fine? Um, yeah, so I'm hoping that their their minds have changed after being scared a little bit there. Yeah. If you're if you're serious about making a deep run into the conference finals or even potentially the finals, you can't just give away games. You have to no. be there from the start.
1: And speaking of that lackadaisical attitude, like we thought Cleveland had that in the mm-hmm. regular season and we then thought, they just yeah. yeah. That was that was probably a little bit misplaced because for SIP Cavs. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, it was total dominance. Uh, well, game one came down to to like the buzzer, but still, I mean, for a SIP, that is dominance. So I'm going to ask you the most obvious question in the world: Is Paul George an Indiana Pacer <laughs> next season?
2: Oh, I do. I do hate to uh, conjecture about these kinds of things, but I know cer- you do. Certainly, certainly seems like uh, he's got a foot out the door. And and uh, Larry recently stepped down. Larry Bird.
1: Larry Bird stepped down. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I... Yeah,
1: it, it, that, <laughs> I wonder if that's the right word. Like in Indiana, I think they are probably a little bit hurt. But yeah. just interesting. I th- I think they're disappointed. I'm sure. Yeah. I love it, Larry. It could. <laughs> yeah, I'm
2: sad too. But um, maybe it's best for him. Yeah, I know these last mm. couple of years have been trying. It's, it's hard trying to put a freaking team together, you know, and when you drop from uh, conference finals showings to now they're, you know, like midway into a rebuild but yeah. still have Paul but are possibly losing Paul, That's it's got to be tough.
1: I'm, I'm glad you used that word because that is going to be my next question. This seemed like that this year was an all-or-nothing year. Like, they got Jeff Teague and... Mm-hmm. Thaddeus Young, and they had Miles Turner, and it seemed like they tried to give Paul George the weapon that they could give him, and it just blew up in their face. So, is this a team that that should be, you know, become the next Philadelphia 76ers? Just go into like a deep rebuilding process.
2: <laughs> when you uh, when you mentioned the Sixers, I I immediately. The first thing that comes to my mind is is the fans and and so I do love the Indiana fans and I would feel bad for them if they went that deep in the hole but at the mm. same time if you look at what Philly has now you know I feel like it's probably was worth it uh, you'd yeah. have to ask the fans who sat through years of it but but um I think they're excited now of course there's no guarantees that you you get that so no it's it's tough. I do think it's it's worth it to try to especially if you get the inkling that Paul isn't isn't interested in coming back, you know. Yeah, try to start over and see what you can do. Obviously, you've you've lost too many of those remnants of what built that team that that challenged the heat the great heat teams for several years in a row. So, yeah, it's, it's time to look to the horizon.
1: Yeah. And you could actually you could get something of quality. -hmm. For PG, for team. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Because you're not going to get anything from Monta Ellis, you're not going to get anything for Al Jefferson. Like Paul George is their big chip, and if they can get a couple draft picks, high draft picks, preferably, in there, that would jumpstart the the whole rebuild, essentially. So, I I think it's at least worth considering, especially with Larry out the door as well. Like just. A whole new team is going to come in at the top. They're probably going to want to construct this roster differently, as well. Mm-hmm. So it, the timing would make sense. I I definitely doubt that we're we're going to see Indiana back in the playoffs for the next couple of years.
2: Right. Yeah, that's that's probably a pretty good bet, especially if Paul doesn't return, which is yeah. what we assume will happen.
1: So we haven't really touched upon the Cavs. So should we just wrap that up by saying LeBron just It's LeBron still. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 33 a game, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 54 from the field, 45 from downtown. Yeah. He He just wanted to remind everybody that I shouldn't be finishing the fourth in the MVP race.
2: Yeah. I think he really does take that personally, and I don't blame him. No. Yeah. he, He obviously is... The greatest player in the league, still. Uh, especially when he wants to be. <laughs> when he Not decides. Not a Pop. Yeah, well, I love Pop for that, by the way. I, I would have never expected him to say that. Right. But it was amazing, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, of course, I can't argue with Pop. Jeez, I don't know what I'm thinking. But, but yeah, LeBron, when he decides, jeez. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, we should say that it, you know yeah it was dominance but the series really was closer than the the four games suggest you know the 4-0 sweep um and i do think you know toronto they're going to struggle some because they, they'd like to run that that struggle offense but <laughs> i think they're going to feel a little bit like they just got out of jail uh going up against that cleveland defense you know they definitely yeah. could have a lot more freedom of movement than they had with the arms and legs everywhere in milwaukee so that's a good point
1: that's a good point they've through six games they kind of got acclimated to playing against long arms and and a lot of you know movement and activity and athleticism as well and now Mm -hmm. they're going up to it against a team that has struggled throughout the course of the year defensively it it could be for them a a huge shift in production like suddenly oh I'm, I'm not being challenged by Giannis here I'm being challenged by Kevin Love that's a completely different ball right. game, yeah. So you, you're, you're, am I hearing a prediction here? <laughs> no, you're hearing a <laughs> prediction. <laughs> had to try.
2: <laughs> ah, I commend you for that good effort. Yeah, had
1: to, <laughs> had to. Okay, so moving on to another sweep in the Western Brian Conference. would make us all
2: do predictions. I hate yeah, predictions so much, though.
1: I know, and he, you know, he's he's always gunning for it. So now I'm, I'm going to be kind. And I'm not gonna force you into it.
2: That's so sweet. Yeah. So we're like we're like kids with a substitute teacher right now. Like right. we're getting Absolutely. away with
1: everything. Yeah. We should we should just create our own podcast, The Subs. <laughs> right. I wouldn't even mind that. The dubs won in four games over Portland. I was disappointed because I don't know if you remember, but I was I was hyped going into that series. I thought Damien would just go off, like average forty five and be pissed off throughout the entire series. And then
2: four games you'll always have game one, Morton.
1: I I will. (laughs) That's true.
2: I mean that was a hell of a performance for him and CJ, but yeah, I mean you, I think you wanted him to do that all of the games, and right? That didn't quite happen.
1: Yeah, it just it seemed like he was. I I don't want to say that he he disappointed in that sense. It was just my ridiculous expectations, but mm-hmm. I I did I did think initially that he would be more amped up for a series like this, like you know the the constant Stephen Curry love and him being not even. Named an All Star, him being slighted so often, I thought he would take it so personally. And with with Durant out for so long, you know, it would just be an, an unique opportunity for him to step up and kind of lead Portland to at least a couple wins, yeah. and then a four game sweep. I I can't imagine how much that must that must sting for him right now. Mm-hmm. I I think after the series, he said he was obsessed with these guys, like the Warriors. So yeah. next year might be where I get my wish.
2: Maybe. Uh... I think I think he was, you know, significantly fired up. I think he does take it all personally. But the thing with the Warriors is, it's like we always talk about their offense, but it's that defense. It's mm-hmm. like you wait for the offense to just blow you out of the water, but you don't see the defense sneaking up and always right around the fourth quarter especially. Like sometimes they'll let it slip because they know they don't have to be on constantly defensively. But when the fourth quarter rolls around, they just clamp down on you. Yeah. And that's that's what they did. Like it is really difficult to score on those guys, especially if you don't have a, a lot of other threats in your lineup. Uh they're just gonna zero in on you and that's that's what happened to him and CJ mostly. You know, there just weren't enough other guys that really, really needed to be honored and respected on that Portland lineup, so it it's it's too much to ask of any one guy. I don't care how talented you are.
1: Yeah. No, I get that, and and you, and you mentioned the defense for Golden State. Draymond averaged like four point three blocks a game. That's ridiculous. Mc... that is ridiculous for a guy who's six <laughs> seven, right? I mean, uh, and it's then your
2: player of the year. I know right? you, you guys
1: didn't pick him, but I, he's going to win. Look, I I agree. I think Dray is going to win. I mean, yeah, 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 I might have Gobert, but I mean, I, I have made no secret that Green is my second guy. Mm. Like, Draymond is my second guy. If he wins it over Gobert, I'm not going to hate it all. Like he's How freaking
2: crazy it is, is it, though, that Kawhi Leonard will probably finish third? Like, a defender right. that great
1: is going right. to be
2: the third best defender in the league.
1: Well, I, I blame San Antonio's offensive supporting cast for that. Like, he mm-hmm. had to carry such big a burden, like, offensively, that he just couldn't assert himself defensively to the same extent that, that Draymond could. And, and things went the other way in golden state like they got kevin durant so now mm-hmm. dre's role in the entire offense was sort of diminished a little bit it's true. meaning he could just hang back a little bit uh, we're seeing like the, the benefits that come with that yeah. and Javale mcgee as well played just 12 minutes a game swatted 2.3 shots a game wow. right just yeah <laughs> and averaged almost 10 points as well i'm kind of thinking Javale should get more minutes period he probably especially should. in the playoffs
2: we got to shout Brian out, because Brian is the one who picked him back in, like, what was it, preseason, season preview, said, because we were trying to figure out who, which, like, big, fringe big on the Warriors is going to be that guy who's going to mm-hmm. have the biggest impact this year. And I think I picked McAdoo. And and uh, Brian picked JaVale, even though G-Mail? he was like, well, he'll probably get cut in camp, but I'm picking JaVale, because I think it could possibly go <laughs> this way. Yeah. And uh, he, he yeah. was right. Yep.
1: Yeah. No, he's he's been amazing. What what I'm really glad to see though is him finally getting respect on his own merit. Mm-hmm. You know the whole shacting a fool BS out there. Yeah. Like I I hated that segment because it ridiculed Javiel, not as just as a person but as a player as well. Like mm-hmm. it sort of diminished who he was and I think it did affect people around the league as well like general managers and executives kind of like, ah oh, do we do we want to invest money in this guy? Well, the answer now is so cl- very clearly yes, you would. I mean, he he's still highly productive. He's an excellent defender whenever he's, you know, getting the, the minutes and can find the rhythm and he can catch lobs and he's, he shoots a high percentage. I mean, he's sort of becoming, you know, a low minute DeAndre Jordan type player. Low yeah. minute player. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, I don't think you're going to play him like, know 35 minutes or whatever right. but yeah but, exactly yeah i mean he's he's always had that the things that you can't teach right he's, he's bouncy he's long i mean he's got pretty decent touch <laughs> every now and then he throws up a wild shot i mean he has made goofy plays yeah. periodically throughout his career that happens um but i think we're seeing also the benefits of just being in a in a system that you know is pretty firmly entrenched he's Mm. he has a role and he now knows and understands what that role is and he's filling it out really well it's it's not asking too much of him you know it's only asking what he can do and he's doing it so yeah i'm happy for him Uh, not happy for the warriors because i'm sick of the warriors but uh, yeah they, they keep doing it they keep finding a way to to prolong this this run that Just seems like a death sentence for the rest of the league. Yeah.
1: So Kevin Durant playing two games and them still absolutely owning this series. Like, how long would you sit, Kevin Durant, like for for the second round?
2: A long ass time until it seemed like I possibly might need him. Yeah. Um, Well, or until he seems like he's close to 100 percent, if not 100 percent. Like, there's no reason to risk anything at the moment. No. They. they can defend and they can score well enough without him. So there's really no reason. And I think that's going to continue to be the case if, well, really regardless of who they end up against, but say they get Utah. Um, Utah has been a great defensive team all year, but I think their kind of struggles to score at times will, will not require a lot of firepower from the Warriors. I think they'll be able to easily overcome whatever the challenge is. Uh, without necessarily needing Durant. So there's just no reason to be anything less than cautious with him.
1: Right. And if it's by some chance is the Clippers, mm-hmm. I mean, they don't have Blake Griffin for the rest of the playoffs, so that yep. should be somewhat an easy target for, for the Dubs. Speaking of which, yeah. I have to ask you this. Like the whole, you know, Warriors-Clippers rivalry or whatever, can we even use that label anymore? Doesn't have, both teams have to be competitive? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they
2: do. So, yeah, it's been how many consecutive games without a win for the Clippers? So, I, yeah, I don't know. That's, 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 not, a, a, that's mid- not a rivalry. Yeah. Right.
1: It's it's just pure ownage at this point.
2: You can say that it's um, a contentious matchup. They don't like yeah. each other. That's fine. Right. But, yeah, it's at this point, it's not a rivalry.
1: Yeah. I think it'd be a lot more interesting uh, for the average fan as well if Utah was the one to make it out. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. they've played well all year long, and they've been, uh, from from my perspective, they've been like a top tier league pass team as well. They're entertaining; they're great defensively. Uh, like you mentioned, they do have like offensive lulls once in a while, mm-hmm. but when Gordon Hayward is going and and Rudy Gobert is going, he's becoming a scorer in his own right as well. Then they are just so dangerous. And seeing like a seven-game series between those two, or best out of seven at least, mm-hmm. I mean, right. I could I could see you to take a game, maybe even two.
2: I certainly have that potential. Um, yeah, I said this uh, in our playoff preview that yeah, I, I'm not interested in a in another Clippers Warriors meeting, and I may have been able to find some excitement for it had had Blake not gone down to see mm. like that one more at least one more hurrah for their. Their lineup, that Clippers lineup, but with no Blake, especially, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to see it. Just give me Utah and the Warriors, and let's see what happens. But yeah, even if it ends up not being a a long series, I think it would be somewhat competitive, and and I'd rather see that.
1: So if the Clippers lose tonight, that means that their season. Not only is their season over, but Paul, Chris Paul. Blake Griffin, and JJ Reddick are going to free agency. Do you trust this franchise to get all three back? Or, more importantly, would you want to see another run with those three? Or would you actually prefer to go somewhere different with this team?
2: It's so tough. We've revisited this question many times. Like a million times, I know. Well, and I've changed my mind, you know. In fairness, I've I've gone back and (laughs) forth. Uh, a few times I uh, you know I, I said well it seems like they're a little snake bits, so maybe they should blow it up and then I said you know what when you're this competitive you're this close to yeah the Warriors are reigning right now but when you're right there you know and like a, a interesting injury away or something from possibly contending I don't think it's responsible to blow it up and now it's back to Okay, maybe you should blow it up. <laughs> because <laughs> I it just it just sucks that Blake got yeah. hurt. I don't understand, you know, why some guys just just can't get away from he can't stay healthy. No. Um, hopefully, this won't continue to plague him for the rest of his career. But it's been what at least three years that mm. that that has happened, and I, I mean, it has yeah. just been him. Uh, Chris Paul's had a few things happen to him the last couple of years too, but. I don't know. It, it does feel like they've been so darn close, and they've been maybe just like a piece away, but they've not been able to find that that last yeah. piece. And I do. I they've started to feel a little stale for me now. I'm not a Clippers fan, so I'd be interested to see what their fans think and how they feel about it, because um, they have to watch the team every game. You know, I don't have to watch them every single day, but. I just, I I'm kind of ready for them to to move on a little bit. You know, that said, we've seen the reports that it seems like Chris Paul coming back is a sure thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just wondering, you know, how much how much Blake wants to come back if if that's where he wants to be as well, or if he's ready to move on. I I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out.
1: Yeah. I I don't envy the front office yeah. right now.
2: No, definitely not.
1: I mean, these are some extremely difficult decisions to make because whatever you do, like, if you lose Blake, you lose a huge chunk of your franchise. Mm -hmm. The same goes for Chris Paul. You might get away with losing Redick, but then you'd need another guy in there who can shoot and spread the court. You won't get a guy that competent at that, you know, for the role that he carries right now. So either way, you're you're a little bit screwed if you lose one. If you lose Mm -hmm. two, you really have to, like, blow it up. And how do you even do that? Because you still have DeAndre there, you still have a lot of vets. I mean, it's just it's a weird situation. And even if you keep everyone, you're not even good enough to challenge like the the best in the West. And there's always that lingering, you know, fear of will Blake go down again? Will someone else go down again? Mm-hmm. Because every damn playoffs, someone goes down. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I would probably want to see them. Do something different, but I'm not I'm not just for the hell of it, but just because I don't think this roster functions anymore. I think they they they've had their shot and hasn't worked out. Now it's time to just do something else.
2: It just yeah, it just sucks, you know. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like you know, as a Spurs fan, we heard that so many times. Of course, it's it's a very different situation because the Spurs had you know won championships even when when that was said about them. That it's time to to mm. move on. Um, but I know that, you know, we're very kind of in the moment society. And so, you know, we do, we, we, we have short memories. Um, but I think even, you know, even just a few weeks ago, finishing out the season, I don't think anyone had the Clippers, you know, even going, maybe not even to the conference finals, but they looked good to me. They looked like they were peaking at the right time, mm. maybe going to make one last run, at least one last run. I, you, I shouldn't keep calling it that since we really don't know what's going to happen. But just because they are going into the summer of its uncertainty, I guess. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean they they did. They looked pretty good, and and now there's one more injury, one more season where you feel like they don't even really have a shot to to really make a run at this thing in the postseason. It's just, it's just tough. I'm. And, you know, the idea of, you know, Chris Paul is, is probably their cornerstone, but Blake is is their guy who they've had his whole career, their, their number one, you know, draft pick. So it's not that easy to move on from a guy like that, you know? It's, too, well, eh, it's tough.
1: Bill Simmons had an idea recently where he, he mentioned, like, a three-team trade where you signed and traded Blake Griffin to... I think it was OKC and then you had Ennis Cantor and stuff going to New York and then Melo to the Clippers and then you played like sort of a quicker small ball lineup with Melo at the 4. I think that's so- sort of the shakeup that could re-energize them not necessarily make them like a whole lot better but right. it, it would shake things up to a to a way that they would get different looks, they would get more spacing and they they would be able to build themselves up, like from an X's and O perspective, a little bit more effective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're not digging it, though, it seems. <laughs> Just when I mentioned Mellow, you, you became Mellow. Like, hmm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm more, like, I wasn't even thinking about that as much. I'm trying to imagine Blake with uh, with Russell. Right. <laughs> which, which could be fun. Like, I don't want him necessarily with another super ball dominant guard, but at the same time, I would love for him to get more of an opportunity to be the role man because he doesn't get that chance as much playing with DeAndre. You know, he he's the guy who, who kind of pops to the elbow, which he he needs to do somewhat because he's a really good passer there and he can kind of orchestrate things from the high post. But, but he's still you feel like, you know, more dangerous rolling to the rim. Uh, and Russell could definitely open up those seams for him. Uh, it's yeah, I don't know what the Clippers should do, but I think. When I look at it from that perspective of of Blake personally, I kind of want for him just to see him somewhere else. I don't know why. Like, that may not even turn out being better for him. But for some reason, I feel like it could be, and I just want to see it.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with that. I I think for a while now, I've been thinking that Blake was sort of like, his time in L.A. was sort of limited
2: Mm.
1: as well. Uh, And OKC would be... In my perspective one of the best landing spots for the reasons that you just mentioned as well as the fact that you would effectively give russ a running partner yeah. like you would give him an outlet you he wouldn't be you know forced to, to score 30 a game he could hang back a little bit finish around that 24 25 point area and then be more of a passer and, and have that one guy who can carry a bigger load Mm-hmm. and as well for for blake i mean remember when he came into the league he, he just came out rolling like 22 and 12 he put up huge numbers and then those numbers started dwindling a little bit and the team got wider and better and he just sort of got stuck there a little bit and people were like "Ah, oh, is he really that good anymore and he is it was just the fact that he had competition amongst his own teammates not not negative uh competition right, right. but the ball had to be shared and I wouldn't put it past Blake like looking at his own career and going. You know what? I wouldn't mind getting a couple of years in a place where I can show people what I can on my own. Because he's damn good. I mean, we we are all forgetting how good Blake is and the the fact that he's become like a great passer, which he wasn't initially. Like he he had some mm-hmm. struggles in that area. He's becoming excellent. Like if he you give him the ball at the elbow like you alluded to earlier, he'll he'll make some Perfect entry passes. He'll find lob targets. He'll survey the floor and find shooters a, a couple seconds before they even get open. He's a great setup guy.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, he probably should get more credit than he's he's gotten for how much he's improved from the mm. moment that he came in the league. Like if you remember, he and DJ were were uh, free throw liabilities. In their first few seasons, and he's he's mostly erased that. He's a, a solid free throw shooter now. He's a solid jump shooter now. He's a good passer. You know, oh. he still has the. Um, he's never quite gotten comfortable with his footwork and, in the post and with his back to the basket. Is really the only thing that he still has room to to really really improve on. But he's come a long way.
1: He has. Um, I, I think he would. I think he has like Dwight Howard syndrome a little bit, like mm. with the footwork, but with the ability one ability that Dwight doesn't have, which is uh, he he's more fluid, especially mm. when attacking the basket. He can toward his body, he can make plays uh, where Dwight is, you know, more of a square box. Like he has to get the ball in a very specific way. So the with and that's just regarding the footwork because I too thought that was something he would have figured out by now. Yeah. He hasn't.
2: I do. I think sometimes the contortions. Almost hold him back, though, because, like, he overly relies on that, rather than relying on the footwork, you know, with his base. Yeah, he does, like, the upper body moving around. It's like, no, rely on your footwork to get you open, and Um, you'll be good. You don't have to jump and like, twist yourself in a pretzel up in the air to get a shot off. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tricky to get. I... Going through that uh, transition myself where I like I started as a guard and then I grew, so they threw me in the post. And it's like, mm. what the hell? How can I play with my back to the basket? Like, this makes no sense. Why would I not be facing the basket? Oh, it, it's man, a hard transition.
1: You. Yeah. They, yeah you, they wasted your potential. You could have been the new LeBron. Right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Clearly, they oh. threw me off that path. I was destined for greatness. Could
1: have been a billionaire by now, sir. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! Yeah, damn it!
2: <laughs> a billionaire? Yeah. Where was yeah. I going to play? That I was going to be a billionaire, though. Was I going to make the NBA?
1: Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. If you were let's playing, let's roll playing, with that. Yeah, if you were playing like LeBron, you would have. <laughs> so, sure. OKC, Houston. That was the next series we were going to talk about. Harden, and Russia. That should really just be the subplot here. It wasn't really about Houston and OKC. It was about Harden and Russ. And I, I don't think anyone really had OKC winning this one. They didn't. They lost in five. Russ gave it, you know, a heck of a push. <laughs> 37 nice. points a game. eleven Almost 11.5, 11 or actually over 11.5 rebounds and almost 11 assists, 2.5 steals. He shot poorly, somewhat expected, because of the playoff atmosphere. But what was interesting, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, James Harden wasn't as hot. From the Mm-mm. floor either forty one percent from the from the field twenty four percent from outside what really drove him was the free throws he took yes. seventy three in five games
2: my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like I'm just what? yeah having nightmares now thanks
1: oh um, yeah because the spurs are yeah yeah,
2: yeah I don't I don't want to see that but plus he'll probably be hot just the time to face the spurs because that's how my luck goes. But um, I mean, we talked about it before the ga- uh before the series. That, that Roberson has probably defended him as well as, if not better, than anybody right. else. Um, yeah. so he, he did another masterful job, even though people are laughing at his free throw shooting and whatever else. Uh, he really, he's got he earns his money on the defensive end, and and he did that. Um, it definitely still was surprising that Harden shot percentages in the twenties from, from yeah. three point that's eye-opening but i mean he still obviously comes away with the win it's it's unfortunate for russell
1: but and it's a small sample size five games Yeah. so mm-hmm. but but uh, you know it's still winning in four to one with your lead guy shooting those percentages is also a testament to the fact that Houston has a lot of weapons. Mm-hmm. Like Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, Nene, and Patrick Beverly were the guys who scored in double figures. That, yep. the, that's a lot of firepower.
2: It is. <laughs> I mean,
1: even Ryan Anderson struggled, and he's a guy who could suddenly get hot in, in the second round. You you have a lot of outside shooting guys there so that could sort of compensate for, for Harden and feeling And So if you combine that with Harden getting back on track and Ryan Anderson getting back on track, your spurs could be in for a dogfight.
2: Oh yeah, I think they are. I mean, all all of those games were close uh, during the regular season, so there's no reason to believe that it's it's mm. going to be anything easy. That's for sure.
1: So going over to the Thunder real quick, you talked about Roberson, two and a half steals, three and a half blocks per Jeez. game. His length was terrific, and his the you know Victor Oladipo, the guy who was supposed to be their best wing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really did not deliver. 34% from the field, 24 from downtown. Played 36 minutes a game, had to. Stru- struggled his way to just under an 11-point average. He just looked uncomfortable throughout the course of the series. He, he, when he had shots, he hesitated. He didn't really have a whole lot of confidence going his way, and it seemed like there was like, a concerned effort for him in finding Russ. So... Mm-hmm. Do you think, Sarah, that that's by design, or do you think it's a lack of confidence that led him to seek out the superior player?
2: Oh, boy. I mean, I do think that's it's the way that they kind of played all year. And it, it may have been both. It may have been a cycle where, you know, he, he wasn't hitting shots, so that contributed more to, mm. to not looking for more shots. But I do think that, you know... I don't know wh- whether it was a decision that they made at the beginning of the season or if it just kind of happened organically, but that was the way that they put... Pl- you know, everything was about Russell, and it was going through Russell. So, you know, it would have been strange to see them deviate from that in the postseason because that's not what got them here, you know. But I do yeah. think, as great as Russell is, that somewhat it, it does hurt your role players a little bit, you know, to to not really know when the ball is coming or how the ball is cut, You know, there's just nothing that they can really rely on as far as what kind of touches or looks am I going to get tonight. Um, and I think a guy like Oladipo, it would have helped him to be able to run the show every now and then. We talked about that a little bit too last week. You know, if, if he could just, like, you know, put him in a second unit, let him run the show a little bit and see what yeah. happens. I think he can get into a rhythm that way. You know, that's kind of how he played in Orlando. was like, get a steal, go the other way. But it's just... You know, they have that's their challenge for next year. Is like, of course, the team may look different. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I think it's safe to say Russell's still going to be your, your focal point. Mm. Uh, but how can we try to integrate a little more the guys around him uh, and build them up? Because, I mean, that's really the challenge is like for an MVP candidate type guy, try to make your players, your teammates better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And people would point. Well, at least some people would point to the assist number and say, well, he does make his teammates better. Look, he gets high assist numbers, but that's really not the case here, I, I personally feel, because the, the usage rate for, for Westbrook is just sky high. Like everything, as you said, everything has to go through him, mm-hmm. meaning that even though that the play might end up in a Russell Westbrook assist, it might not benefit the players around him because they know, like mentally they understand that Russ has the ball. He's the decision maker. Oh, okay, I made an open jump shot. Big whoop. So, I do think that that's probably something that they're going to have to address over the summer. Like, how, <laughs> even though it sounds absurd, like, how can we get the ball out of Russ's hands more? But, you know, just to make him more effective and, yeah. and you know, yeah, get it's the development tough. Like going. He
2: said he's so dynamic and good, but yeah, right. they, there's not much passing. You know, he has the ball for most of the possession, and then he might pass at the end to somebody who then, I think, there again, I don't think he necessarily pressures his teammates to to get him rebounds or assists, but I think they feel that regardless. Like, they feel yeah. like, I've got to make this shot and get him an assist or, you know. They're just, yeah, there has to be a little bit more, I think, movement earlier in the possession. Like, let's not have just dribbling out possessions and then, yeah, yeah last-ditch efforts.
1: No, and I, I agree. I don't think Russ at any point is on his teammates for like right. not giving him an assist or anything. He seems like the, he, he actually seems like the guy who doesn't care about those things. Mm-hmm. Like he's just out there putting in the work and, and protecting his teammates more often than not. So yeah. it, it's really a weird situation. I, I, I'm definitely going to have like a close eye peeled on, on gold. Oh, you should. over the course of the summer, because if they lose Taj Gibson, which I expect they will, to Minnesota, they're probably gonna have to figure something out. They need like another big and they probably need someone who's better than Nennis Kander, and they need someone who is a little bit more offensive minded than Steven Adams as well. So we'll see what happens there, but it's it's definitely an, an intriguing situation overall. Now let's move on to the series that you've been waiting for. <laughs> the Kawhis against the Memphis Grizzlies hey (laughs)
2: hey
1: so over the first two games I still remember this in my head because that was just utterly ridiculous Kawhi was 20 for 28 from the floor and 28 of 28 from the free throw line over the first two games
2: nuts yeah
1: yeah what the hell you know happened for him there he's he's supposed to be like the quiet cool cat like he just exploded 31 a game, six boards, three and a half assists, two steals, shot 55 from the field, 48 from downtown, and 97 from the line. Like, you couldn't be more effective than that if you wanted to. Yeah,
2: those shooting splits are freaking just out of this world. Like, that's that's not even real. I was just, just tweeting about that this morning. Like, those are not real-life numbers. To shoot like that and average 31, yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I, I it's funny because I feel like saying I was trying to warn y'all this, this was happening, but at the same time I'm blown away. So I can't really say <laughs> oh I knew this was going to happen, but it's like nothing he does really shocks me, No. but at the same time it, it amazes me, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of felt like this is, co- I, I kind of put that uh, in a preview I did with uh, the ladies over at All Heart and Hoop City for uh, memphis they we did a little uh panel q a and i said you know I mean, you guys remember when i was trying to predict the series i was like you know i think anything could happen from spurs in five mm-hmm. to spurs losing um i always envisioned worst case scenario and then i kind of leaned somewhere in the middle uh in my prediction but i i did i thought it was going to be tough and it was. <laughs> it was it was probably a little tougher than i hoped it would be but at overall I said I'm riding with Kawhi I think he's ready for this moment and he <laughs> was more than ready <laughs> for the moment um, just incredible just the this, this stuff that he does man and you saw now too um, him running like spread pick and roll like he's comfortable yep. in that he can close out a game that way he, he gets he kind of gets to the elbow like that Kobe or Paul Pierce spot like he's super comfortable pulling up from there and if you jump him, which they very frequently had three people on him, mm. he's going to find the open person. Uh, he's His uh, improvement and his evolution as a player has been just amazing to watch.
1: What stuck out to me was the fact that he only had 14 turnovers on the series.
2: Mm.
1: Like, he was high volume throughout the course of the of the whole series, actually. Like, yeah. the primary shot taker, the primary decision maker... 14 total turnovers in 226 minutes. I mean that that's he he really got as close to flawless basketball that he could. Mm-hmm. And we we have to mention something. Tony Allen wasn't there. He probably yeah. would have shaved off a f- at least a few percentages on the on court production. Like he he probably Kawhi probably wouldn't have shot 48 from downtown and 54 <laughs> from the field. I still think though that he would have had a, an unbelievable series. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I don't think it changes the outcome, but obviously it needs to be mentioned that, you know, 40-year-old Vince yeah. Carter was guarding him <laughs> at times.
2: Yeah, I think I think Tony would have made it tougher, although I do think, as much as I respect his ability as a defender, he's honestly a little too small to guard Kawhi. Um, yeah, six I, four. Yeah, I don't think that, that he really could have bothered Kawhi that much, but he would have made him work. More for sure.
1: Mm. That's that's also a little bit concerning if you're a Spurs fan because we're talking about how the Raptors might feel that it's it's going to be easier scoring against Cleveland because they didn't have all you know Giannis's hands in their faces. Mm-hmm. Like Kawhi and the Spurs might feel a little bit more free flowing now because Kawhi felt oh yeah I got it going I averaged thirty one, but again he was matched up against Vince Carter for a long period of time. Like, now he has to assert himself way more defensively because he's, they're going up mm-hmm. against a Houston team who loves to shoot and loves to score. Yeah. So now he has to, like, find that balance between when do I become aggressive offensively and, and when do I sort of sit back a little bit and just focus all my energy on, on stopping this bombardment of threes.
2: It's tough. I think you saw the ideal for the Spurs uh, in their last regular season meeting. Uh, when Kawhi had the the highlight reel, you know, the pull-up three to put them, Mm. the go-ahead three, and then the block to kind of seal the win. Um, In that game, I think, you know, as what we're going to see throughout much of the series, Danny Green's going to take a lot of that burden. Uh, He's going to be on Harden quite a bit. Uh, I think he was on him the entire first half in that game. And I think Hawaii was mainly on him for the second half, uh, and, and really locked in on the in the fourth quarter. Um, that's probably how it's gonna be. And then, you know, like you said though, he's gonna have to have to balance that. But it's gonna be a really difficult, really trying series for like the Spurs Biggs. Um, yeah. you know, that, that pick and roll is you know, you saw they struggled the whole team struggled to, to stop Memphis. I mean, Memphis Shot the ball well. Of course, the Spurs were, I think, a little too reliant on the fact that they didn't look at uh, Memphis as a great three-point shooting team. Now they know going in that they need to be more aware of their shooters. But, you know, they're going to have to turn around <laughs> their whole defensive strategy quickly because, yeah, yeah they they struggled with the pick-and-roll uh, with Conley, and they struggled with the shooting. So uh, it's it's only getting scarier on that front
1: yeah that's true Marcus all on several occasions just launched a shot over him and you know he had no defender in sight mm-hmm. so Marcus Aldrich frequently got lost defensively when when Marks would set a screen and pop out to the free throw line or free point line because the was sort of anticipating moving towards the basket and he you know lost his man which is you, you can't do that in a playoff series and that happened more than once and David Lee as well you had several of those you know, breakdowns that's Definitely a concern, and that leads me into a question here regarding Lamarcus, which I know you're gonna mm-hmm. dislike. But what's going on with that deal? Is that he is he still that that player that you hoped he would be? <laughs> oh Lord! Yeah, I'm sorry. I've got to crab on this person a little bit because that's the only that's the only enjoyment I have right now. It's it's seeing you squirm a little bit.
2: It's yeah. Well, <laughs> good for you, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean I think it's obvious that's um the guy that I think fans hoped they were getting. Yeah. He hasn't replicated like his play in Portland. Um you know, he still takes those shots which we all knew weren't like shots that are highly efficient, like the mid range turnaround, fadeaway jumpers. Yeah. Um,
1: like a lot but, what's
2: unfair for him is that he plays next to Kawhi who makes that shit look easy. It's like one of the <laughs> toughest shots in the game. Um and but Lamarck is used to i mean he always kind of shot sub fifty percent, but he was you know close enough um but yeah, it's just he's 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 having trouble getting those shots to fall this year um where he's had the most success is actually in the paint um uh, which when we get those games where he's aggressive and and kind of goes to that that hook shot you know bangs a little bit, he does better he's um I think fans are happy with the fact that. I don't know if happy's the word to, to uh, quote pop a little bit. Uh, happy, um, maybe not happy, but appreciate that even though he's he's not getting stuff to fall like I'm sure he would like to, right. uh, he has been hitting the glass and uh, hanging in there and battling, and that's really that's really all you can do. But yeah, is that is that what we hoped for uh, out of the deal? No, but yeah, it's what we have at the moment hopefully he uh he has a big series against Houston that would be terrific.
1: I, I mean I admittedly I'm a bit nervous because mm-hmm. I, I you know he took a pretty big step down in production compared to last season to this season. Um, like a four a dip on in 4.0 in in PER I think it was. So, you know, and he's turning 32 this year. I'm sort of I'm sort of fearing that this is the decline year. That this is one of those prime years that just gone, Mm -hmm. and now he's in like a drastic decline, and he's only going to get worse. Like granted, that is worst case scenario, right? But it just it did it did not look good against Memphis. 14 a game, just seven boards. I was at 37 minutes. Like he he had every opportunity to get himself going, and he just couldn't. Like you said, he couldn't hit. It was weird shots. He wasn't always on the glass. He got confused defensively. I mean, oof, he. He had a rough series.
2: Yeah, it's it's just hard to know because I think it's so difficult. Um, you know, we've talked before about like a guy like KD, for instance, is is mm. kind of the complete opposite situation, right? He went from a system that, even though you know he's he's an MVP, so I mean he's going to get his touches, but he kind of went from a system that was uh less efficient as far as ball movement, less economical, um and you know, higher usages and and now he's with the the, the warriors who are like the epitome of, of movement and finding the right shot and uh it's kind of it's kind of been the opposite, I think, for Lamarcus's situation of he or wait, what am I saying? Maybe it's not the opposite. But but he went from being the guy to right. you know high usage, all the touches he wants, it's very very different for him now because he he's still not yeah the ball the Spurs move the ball now but it, it's not as much um, e- equality like you know no. as far as um, egalitarian I don't know what the word is I'm looking for like like 2014, it's more Kawhi's the guy uh, who you know, Tony will still run it, so other people will run it they they are up in like top six I think of the league as far as passes per game so they're still moving the ball but it doesn't really find LaMarcus that much and I think it's just a tough adjustment um, to go from getting it that many times to you know, he's not really sure when he's going to get it now and and yeah. f- probably feels the pressure of, of having to score it when he gets it and even though it's actually a similar situation with Katie, is it's it's different in that you know, I do think it's it's more egalitarian for them, and I do think it being his first year or there, uh, Steph kind of deferred to him more, and that's just mm. not the situation that Lamarcus is in.
1: Right, he, because he's meeting a guy who's entering his prime right now, right. and is yeah. Right. A, a, going to be like you know this Kawhi is taking his steps to becoming like a first ballot hall of famer right. you know this this is his time and he's entering what i can only assume is going to be an epic prime and and a very high usage prime as well whereas and you touched upon the 2014 team like there was no set score there there was right. no you know guy who was supposed to get 20 it literally did not matter who got the mm-hmm. shot yeah. which is yeah, yeah but tough. that's that. it's it's interesting and it's also interesting to note that he might be rushing his shots Lamarcus. Hmm. like if, we, if we, because he is like trying to seek them out he doesn't know when he's getting it and then suddenly a pass go, comes his way and he's like oh okay I better shoot it I better get something down right now because yeah. I was well, used to getting his, that yeah. yeah
2: when they call his number I think he probably feels like yeah I have to make this count <laughs> you know because this is the one and I don't know when the next one is coming and uh, I have, to, I have to prove it. Yeah. Uh, I hope not. I don't know. I, that's a lot of uh, conjecture on my point. I'm not inside his head. Um, but hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully he can just settle in and look, whatever you give the team is, is fine. But, you know, just relax and, and shoot your shot. <laughs> As Shay yeah. Serrano would say, shoot your shot, buddy.
1: I I was kind of hoping he would turn into more of a three-point shooter with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, like he, he did a little bit this year. Yeah, like, he so was tw- going in that direction. Yeah. Yeah. and Then he sort of stopped a little bit, but I, I would I would prefer to see that really increase and in, like him becoming a not necessarily a high volume three point shooter, but a guy who launches about two or three a game. I mean, he be- certainly has the, the touch.
2: Yeah. You know, he does. I mean, and it would it, you know wouldn't be unwise to try to take advantage of the shot that you know as anyone will tell you these days is is a more efficient look than the long two
1: yeah no and and outside of that is that when you can get, get get into like a pick and pop situation mm-hmm. like the the ball he would understand immediately okay we're we're running this set so i'm going to get it up here in about two seconds time so i need to like establish my footwork here i know that I have to land in a specific angle. Kawhi is going to drop it off. I'm going to have the open shot. Like that sort of preparation might help him a little bit to, to get himself going, and as mm-hmm. well as knowing the fact that behind the three point line, that's that's going to be a part of his weapon, because it's also like inside the arc. That's that's a big area. Mm-hmm. Like so, he, he he can get it from 18 feet. He can get it, you know, with inside of five feet. And then he has to adjust and he doesn't really know where the offense is going. Like, if he understands, okay, outside the three point line, I'm having these areas a mine. So, whenever we (laughs) we run a play here, I know I'm going to get this. I know, you know, just putting some staples in there for him. I think that could help out tremendously. But, you know, we have some playoffs to go. So, Pop might put some specific place in for him. I I definitely think Pop right now is looking at Lamarcus and thinking for, for the Houston series. I need to get him going. Absolutely need oh, to yeah. get him going. Like Against Ryan Anderson? Mm-hmm. Dude, I mean.
2: And they, they let Anderson sometimes over the course of this season uh, get away with guarding him. And that frustrated me, I remember, during the regular season. So, yeah, they definitely can't allow that to happen. I mean, you don't want to get caught in this, oh, we have to win this matchup, let's keep force-feeding it. Uh, but, yeah, he, he can't allow Ryan Anderson to get away with with guarding him, the Spurs have to go at that, yeah. Uh, and I, I hope they will. <laughs> but we should, uh, before we move on, uh, just give credit to Memphis because they played a hell of a series. Uh, Mike Conley was transcendent and ridiculous. Zebo Zebo had his moments. It was just uh, even the young guys, Seldon, and his worked his tail off. Uh, mm. They, they fought like you knew they were gonna.
1: And Mark as well. That game winner was ridiculous. Mm yeah them. i was trying yep. to
2: put that out of my head but yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i just so wanted like who i deserved to win that game man yeah I was like, damn it ah oh. but but memphis that was a great moment for their fans and yeah. and uh like i said mike conley was great that game too so can't take anything away from them
1: oh Con- conley was great like the entire the series, entire series so. yeah, yeah t- almost 25 a game seven assists and he shot the ball from outside like great like 45 percent. he was a consistent threat whenever he started to pull up from from there like during this series i was just that's it yeah that's i in. felt like, like they're all going yeah yeah like his rhythm was just off the hook I, I i was really enjoying seeing him take more of a scoring load i i that's a part of his game that i've been missing for years because i think he's capable mm-hmm. and it seemed like, like even against the spurs it was like he was up for the challenge Yep. I love that. I absolutely love that. He, he, he wasn't afraid of the moment. He wasn't afraid of, you know, the whole San Antonio look. He <laughs> saw Tony Parker, and he was like, yep, I'm going to get mine. And to Tony's credit, yeah. on the other end, like, he played he played well. And I, I was so nervous for on his behalf, like, going into the series. The guy I should have been nervous for was Manu, going scoreless yeah, in the nice first four game. games. Yeah, that I know. Was, that, that hurt. That
2: was so strange. Yeah. Um... yeah. He even said, "I've never had a like a four game slump like that before." Um, and then he yeah. said, after game five, it's you know it's good to feel useful. And I hate when you get to that moment when guys are talking about feeling useful. I kind of remember yeah. Timmy saying stuff like that. It's like, no, please stop. Like we know, we know we're getting to that point, but yeah, uh, it's I just don't want to face it. But he did. He, he came back in a big way, and Tony was <laughs> Tony was incredible. Uh that was completely unexpected and I would say they're in a game seven right now if not for him, if they make it that far. Like I mean they really would be lucky to, to get yeah. out of the series without him playing the way he played.
1: Absolutely. Uh that was that was it's it was very necessary, especially mm-hmm. when Lamarcus struggled the way that he did. Someone had to step up and Tony did and yeah. especially from outside. Like I did not in my wildest dreams think he would go eight for fifteen from outside.
2: Yeah. That was yep. great. Like that's something I've been saying though. Like if they're gonna do well this year, um, it's gonna be Tony Parker hitting shots because mm. that's a lot of what's gonna be open. Yeah. So and he he did it to his credit. Like you said in this first round, <laughs> that
1: was huge. So let's go to the second round preview, and let's start off with the game that's going on right now, or it may have concluded. Probably. Yeah. I haven't checked the score. Think it, but... I
2: think it has. Let's yeah.
1: see. Boston. Washington, I mean, that's that's the point guard matchup right there. Wall oh, yeah. against IT. Wall always been looked at as the defensive-minded point guard. And Isaiah, the very offensive-minded. I mean, uh, that's going to be my focus on that series. I, I, I can't wait to go back and, and look at the game. I haven't had the time to follow it, obviously, because we're recording. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I would assume initially that, that Wall is going to have... like. Every chance at his disposal to go at it. He's stronger. He's bigger. He's more athletic. He's a stronger defender, and he's not like a bad offensive player by any stretch of the imagination. He's actually becoming quite good. Like I, I have a feeling Bossett would need to adjust to him a lot. Like throw Avery Bradley at him sometimes, maybe in Jay, Jay Crowder. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me one bit.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of surprised because uh, I just looked at the score. I know Washington was up pretty good early, but the the Celtics ended up winning 123 to 111.
1: That's a huge score. Good
2: Lord, yes. So, IT had 33. Both teams shot uh, 50% or slightly better from the field. Celtics made 19 threes. So. Well, <laughs> that's going to do it, yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if that's going to be what they do, this will be interesting. I mean, they're still starting... Jailed green, Um, so we'll see how the Wizards adjust to this look. Plus, um, the Wizards apparently lost uh, Marquise Morris to an ankle roll, so you know they were already kind of thin to begin with. So that could be interesting. I was really high on them, and I would have picked them to win the series. Um, but but that might hurt them. You know, if if he's unable to go for a few games, we'll see how he how he's feeling. But if he's limited. And the Celtics are just going to pace in space like that. My goodness.
1: So Boston outscored Washington by 28 after they were down by 16 to open the game. Amazing. That's yeah. That's that's the bull series right there. There down you go. 2-0. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's really their calling card. It Coming might from be. behind. Yeah.
2: Seems like they found something.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's definitely going to be interesting rewatching that one. And Thomas getting yeah. 33 is, is quite surprising to me. I thought you would definitely have John Wall go at him all game long. And if yeah. if IT has found like a successful formula against Wall, that changes the entire complexity of this series. Definitely. Yeah. Well, so who do you got? Now I'm going to beat Brian oh. just a little bit. We yeah. can't we can't have this one without just a little bit of a prediction.
2: Pack to school. Um, let's see. Should, I'm still gonna go wizards. Let's go wizards in uh, yeah. six or seven. Mm, six.
1: Oh, that's not bad. That's. Not, I, I'm. I'm gonna go wizards as well. Just. Be, I, I. I. Well, it's. <laughs> I'm wobbling a little bit because yeah, that's it's that that game one score that was surprising yeah. to me, but. Uh, no, I'm I'm going to I'm going to go with what I've thought initially and I I think they're going to make some adjustments. I I just think that backcourt is just too potent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh even with with Markeith Morris out though. That's the big question for me. Like that's yeah, is that's is definitely. Bogdanovic, Bogdanovic going to play like a small ball 4 or is Otto going to play a small ball 4? That would actually be interesting. Like uh, Bogdanovich yeah, yeah. and quarter-forward combination?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it it may not hurt that much, yeah, to, to try and go that route if, if Celtics are going to keep playing the way that they're playing right now. Mm. That's a pretty good matchup, actually. Um, but as you said, I think our predictions could go sideways. Uh, I think Avery Bradley could make a really big impact. Uh, yeah. If he can just slow one of those guys down, it uh, changes everything.
1: And I don't think Boston is going to hit 19 threes yeah. on almost 49% again. <laughs> Probably so, not. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to say Washington in seven. That's okay. going to give me a little bit of leeway because yes. in in, this, in the seventh game, anything can happen. That's true. I'm, I'm being political here. <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland-Toronto is up next. Like you, we touched upon it. We talked about right. it a little bit. Um, so prediction time. Is LeBron going to be LeBron and just take over? And then it doesn't matter if (laughs) if Toronto is going to get easy baskets. They're just going to go at it on the other end.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be LeBron. I think, just like I thought in the first round, I think, uh, you know, P.J. Tucker and and, uh, Ibaka Mm. are kind of the big X-Factors here that, that could turn things a little bit. If defensively they can be strong. That certainly gives Toronto a chance to to at least snag a couple games. Uh, I've told myself over and over again to stop having faith in Toronto, uh, and yet I'm gonna I'm gonna go Cavs in six. I'm gonna give Toronto two games. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's it's necessarily a wise choice, but that's what I'm gonna do.
1: <laughs> well, Brian and I we were all aboard the Raptures to the finals, and then Milwaukee happened. Yeah. And if you struggle to that extent against Milwaukee, then I questioned what you can do against Cleveland, mm-hmm. honestly. And because I of do that, do you think
2: they're going to score more easily though?
1: Yeah, I do too. But they don't have the defense to, to you really know, do anything see, yeah. about LeBron. Yeah. They don't. They don't have anything to really do against with against Kyrie as it well. Kind of depends I, on
2: those guys. Yeah, Kyrie yeah. wasn't transcendent in, in the first round. So if he turns it on, ooh.
1: Yeah, exactly. Then Kyle yeah. Lowry is just, you know, he's grounded. The, the key matchup there is really going to go down to Ibaka and Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. Like, Ibaka can defend guys who can shoot the three. And Love can. not he can, can hit the three. He can hit three himself, yeah. So if you put Ibaka in a whole lot of pick-and-roll situations and really forces Love to to react in areas where he isn't comfortable... I could see that be a factor, but at the end of the day, I don't think LeBron is gonna lose in the second round to a team right. that just struggled against Milwaukee. Right. So Cavs in six.
2: Okay. Just so we so I we yeah. Agree I, then.
1: Yeah, we we agree and I'm gonna go away from the Toronto in the finals simply because when they struggle to that extent against Milwaukee, I don't think they have it. He I just ship. don't think they have it. We gotta let yep.
2: Brian know he's alone on the ship. He may have yep. jumped too, actually. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, well have to you see.
1: Know, Brian and I are professional jumpers, so that's <laughs> perfectly fine. I think that he, he'll he'll gladly admit to it. But you know, he doesn't care because he's in yeah. Australia right now. He's he's probably riding kangaroos and whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, San Antonio, Houston. Oh Lord. We talked about that one a little bit as well. I I mean, look, I said. Spurs in 4 initially and I do believe that if David Fisdale had not come out with his uh, take that for data rant mm. I, I think the Spurs would have been up 3 sip, which I think would have changed the series and I think they could have taken it to 4 but this is not Memphis this is Houston, this is a different ball game this is a more up-tempo, they have to really dig in defensively I'm going to say a dog fight. Spurs mm. in 7
2: I've seen a lot of that. I've seen either Spurs in seven or Rockets in six or seven. I really, really want to recuse myself from this one.
1: I know you do. Um, and that's why you can't.
2: Oh, I'm gonna. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't make me. Um, what I do want to point out is that in four regular season meetings, which, of course, they split 2-2, uh, and I think they each won one in the other person's other team's building. Mm.
0: Um.
2: The Rockets, over the four games, shot 29% from three, uh, and averaged about 11 makes per game, little over 11 makes. Uh, the Spurs averaged 38% shooting, uh, almost nine makes per game, not quite. If, if they could keep that close, yeah, uh, they're in pretty good shape. Uh, oh, they're in very good shape. That's yeah. what remains to be seen. Uh And actually, in that last meeting, I remember Tony Parker was 3 of 6 from 3. So it's really largely dependent on is he going to keep shooting that well? Mm. Uh, He's going to have those shots again, just like he did in the Memphis series. Um, You know, I think in that final game as well, you know, Powell hit one, Patty hit one, Manu hit one. Those guys got to hit shots. Um, And and the the biggest thing I'm going to be watching is the defense. Yeah, because... You know, if Harden just waltzes to the rim all game long and or gets free throws when he doesn't get layups, um, that to me is is almost even more terrifying than the threes. You know, they have to figure out a way to keep him out of there. So, God, I yeah. don't want to make a prediction because it really could go so many ways.
1: Well, that's the point of a series.
2: That's how it goes, huh?
1: Yeah, unfortunately so. But here's my point, or here's my perspective on the defense. I would like to see what what how Pop is going to use Kawhi because if you put him on Ariza, you're saving him a little bit because Ariza at this point is mostly a spot up shooter, so you can sort of cons- you know conserve energy a little bit by putting Kawhi on Ariza. But having said that, if he conserves energy, then you're not getting the most out of him defensively. Whereas if you put him on Harden on a few occasions. He'll he'll probably slow those possessions down, mm-hmm. and and really shave some points off the total. So I'm kind of leaning the Harden route, which means less offensive freedom for for Kawhi, simply because he's going to get tired.
2: So, can can I tell you yeah. something? Yeah, sure. I I'm least of all worried about Kawhi. Like I think Kawhi is going to outplay Harden. I absolutely believe that. Uh, I just don't know about the the rest of the supporting cast for either guy. Um, I do think Kawhi is going to outplay Harden. I, huh. I, uh, and he's absolutely going to move around on defense, but he's going to have Harden a significant chunk. But Danny Green has done a, a good job on him as well, so they will for sure split it. I'm kind of wondering who who do you think Beverly's going to guard? Is he just going to stay on Tony Parker the whole time?
1: I would imagine so.
2: That's actually unless bad. you
1: unless you hide Harden on Tony a little bit, because I don't think Tony is going to you know average 16 again.
2: Right. But that actually might not be a bad idea to just leave Beverly on him, <laughs> considering that he was, like, the second-best weapon in the first round.
1: Mm. If you
2: shut him down, you're in good shape, too. But And he can. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah
1: well, to some extent at least, because he's he's terrific. He's their probably their best defender.
2: Oh, for sure. Uh, so, But then, you know, <laughs> I'm hoping Patty Mills is good at, you know go mm. off a little bit more in this series but we'll see what happens anyway uh, i hate you for making me pick but yep i guess i'll say spurs and six
1: there you go <laughs> band-aid off yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we uh
1: let's not guess uh golden state you well we can golden state regardless
2: regardless of who yeah. they play
1: Regardless of oh, wow. who they play, so the question is I, I'm going to go sweep if it's the Clippers, and I'm going to give the jazz some rope and say six games if it's the jazz
2: Gosh, I hate to hate I hate to say sweep, but it, it probably would be with no Blake and yeah, just the way they've played them all year. yeah I mean, I mean, Chris Paul is on the warpath like he always is in the playoffs, but yeah, I probably would say sweep too. And if it's Utah, I give Utah one win. One win? I'd love to give them two, though. I, they've that'd, played that'd nice. them well all year. They really have, but... Yeah. Uh, I'll give them one, so five games.
1: Yeah. But you're secretly hoping for two, right?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always hoping for the longest series possible, <laughs> unless like my team is playing, and then I don't want it to stretch out. But, of course. But yeah. Of course.
1: Well, all right, so sweep if it's... The clips and between a five and six game series, if it's the Jazz, yeah, I can dig that. I can yeah. dig that. And we have run into almost an hour and forty minutes this now, even without without Brian. If Brian had been here, it would have been <laughs> probably an hour and ten because he would have, you know, structured a whole lot better than I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would
2: have, he would have kept us moving.
1: Exactly, I'm not host material at all. <laughs>
2: hey I, i'm clearly not either i'm just long <laughs> for the ride regardless
1: well let's before we we give brian a raise before ourselves we, we should probably <laughs> just wrap it up that might be good yeah yeah so sarah it was nice talking to you and we'll hit up next time and brian uh enjoy australia <laughs> talk yeah. to you soon sarah
2: you do have fun Easter is coming up and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place and of course, what's
0: Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy! They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect
2: for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine and
0: more welcome to total wine and more it's much more than a wine store it's the eighth wonder of the world when people talk about total wine and more they get a little carried away we're just a big friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer see we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere and friendly helpful experts at every turn you know what maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations.